Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every day, decisions are made across Maine that impact our environment, and Mainers play a crucial role as we speak up for climate action, the clear air, clear water, and open spaces that we all love. Come sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories that you need to know, what lies ahead, and hear what you can do about it. Thanks for listening as we share our view from the front lines. One of the biggest stories of 2021 was Maine becoming the first state in the nation to pass a new law requiring big corporations who produce wasteful packaging to help pay for recycling, to help improve our nation's recycling system. Uh, Now, several new reports have highlighted the importance of this law and policies like it um, in cracking down on plastic pollution. Well, I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director. And in this episode of Frontline Voices, we're gonna check in again with our Sustainable Maine Director, Sarah Nichols, to get an update on steps Maine is taking to reduce waste and prevent plastic pollution. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? Hey, Colin, happy to be back on the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for taking time out of all of those interviews you've been doing on the EPR lot. If, you, if our listeners haven't seen it, um, you check out some of our social media posts for um, PBS NewsHour, ABC News, lots of great coverage of this law. People are really interested in it. Um, and thanks uh, to Sarah for being such a great communicator about it. Um, well, so I wanted to kick off um, talking about this new congressionally mandated report that was released in early December, really striking. It found the U.S. ranks as the world's leading contributor of plastic waste. And uh, the report's authors called for a national strategy to combat the issue. Um, the The study, which was produced by the National Academy of Sciences, said the developing, quote unquote, the developing plastic waste crisis has been building for decades. The success of the 20th century miracle invention of plastics has also produced a global scale deluge of plastic waste seemingly everywhere we look. Sarah, uh, can you just give our listeners your reaction to this report and what, just sort of from your point of view, what the US needs to do to combat this issue? Sure, happy to. Um, I guess my immediate reaction was that I thought it was, you know, a really great thorough report. It was done by academic researchers all over the country. Um, and overall, the findings validated what we knew all along, uh, which is people have been completely irresponsible with our use of plastics, um, you know, and that plastic makes its way into our environment at a rate of uh, one garbage truck per minute <laughs> dumping into the That's environment. Bonkers. It's crazy. And, you know, but however, what I really liked about this new report was that it put more responsibility for this disaster on the United States. Um, typically, us in the United States, we blame um, Asian countries or, you know, overseas um, what's happening over there. But it's really it's really us who are causing the bulk of the problem. You know, we can't finger point anymore. Um, and we make, um, according to the report, two times as much waste per person as China which I don't think people um, really quite mm-hmm. understand right now. Um, and that's at about 287 pounds per person. That's crazy. Yeah, you know, that's alarming, but it's also really frustrating because everything um, seems to be either made of plastic or wrapped in plastic. So yeah, we definitely um, have our work cut out for us. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and a lot of that plastic uh, packaging is is not necessary, right? And that's why um, I know you and so many others pushed for successfully pushed for this new extended 
producer responsibility for packaging law. So can you, that's, that's that law I just talked about earlier to force big corporations and packaging manufacturers to help fix our broken recycling systems. Can you tell us how this new policy can help address this plastic pollution crisis the report uh, talked about? Sure. So with this new EPR system um, of managing our, our packaging waste, I think it'll really expose the fact that recycling is not the solution for plastics. Um, the information that we're going to gather, um, you know, will help to make strides in plastics reduction and reuse mm -hmm. uh, because it'll expose, you know, the, the false claims by the plastics industry that we can recycle our way out of this mess. You know, the truth is, um, you know, only a very small percentage of plastics actually get recycled. Um, and there's really, you know, it's like the wild west out there. Um, uh, packaging manufacturers can put whatever label they want on their plastic packaging, make people feel good about it, put a recycling symbol on it, but it's, um, it's not ultimately getting recycled and it's being used as a reason to create more and more plastics. But what we really need to do is stop <laughs> making them in the first place. Right. Get these corporations to um, be a little more thrifty with their, their use of plastic, right. Yeah. Or eliminate it or eliminate it altogether. I mean, I think everybody, everybody has the experience of getting a pack, uh, uh, a box in the mail that has sort of crazy plastic packaging in it. Right. I hope that, you know, that the law will immediately reduce that unnecessary plastic packaging, you know, start with this low hanging fruit. You know, there's a lot of, uh, purposes, um, or uses for plastic, you know, for durable goods, you know, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're in your car or, you know, just items around your house, um, you know, I'm looking at my stapler, you know, but <laughs> things like, um, you know, single use packaging, uh, takeout containers, um, everything we get does not have to be wrapped in plastic, particularly non-recyclable plastic. Um, yeah. Nice. And those, that takeout container reference is a good segue to my next question, which was, there's another exciting policy change this year that NRCM was a part of. It generated um, some coverage, um, uh, and, and and that's a new policy about reusables that should help reduce plastic waste. Can you just tell people about that um, and what opportunity that presents for main businesses to reduce their plastic waste? Yeah, this was um, a, a change that occurred to our main food code, which really um, removed some uh, roadblocks or um, misconceptions about the safety of um, having reusables um, as to-go containers or bringing your reusable container to restaurants. So what, what changed is that um, there's now really clear, explicit guidance that um, shows businesses uh, how exactly to do uh, reusables in a, in a safe way, just like they do every other, you know, if you dine in, you're going to eat on a plate that's clean. Um, we could also do that for reusable foodware. Um, so I think what it really did was um, it made it much more clear that having reusable containers for food or coffee or whatever is completely safe and that we should be doing more of it. And there's really no reason to be concerned or um, think that there's any liability in doing so. Nice. And I just want to give a shout out to the University of Maine. As with most great things that happen, there were some UMaine researchers, right, that were behind this. I think there was a working group that was put together by UMaine that led to yeah. this. Is that right? That's right. Um, the, um, the George Mitchell uh, Center for Sustainability Solutions, um, mm -hmm. they're an amazing group. They're, um, you know, just having their 
you know, impartial expertise diving into these issues and providing information that, um, you know, helps people like us um, make, make policy changes. I can't say enough good things about them. Nice. Well, so I'm also curious, that was a great, that was another great policy change that we talked about. Are there other developments, policies, whatever that um, are, pro that you see as promising here in Maine for cracking down on plastic pollution, either that have happened or that you're thinking about? Right. So I think, you know, Maine really has been um, a leader in, in um, fighting plastic pollution or plastic uh, generation of plastic waste. You know, we were uh, the fourth uh, state in the nation to pass the plastic bag ban, which I'm very happy to see is finally in effect. Um, and uh, we were the first state in the nation to ban the foam foodware, so those styrofoam containers, um, of course, with the EPR. Um, and, you know, I do think that there's room for, for probably having more bans on specific materials, and I think we're going to get a lot of information from the EPR law. Um, one thing that I'm um, excited about is uh, having more um, recycled content, um, minimum mm. recycled content ma mandates. Um, Representative Dudera has a bill um, that we hope to see passed soon that requires uh, beverage um, companies to use a minimum amount of recycled material in their, their bottles. And um, the reason why I like that is because for recycling to work and for our bottle bill to, um, it, to support our bottle bill, those bottles actually have to get turned into new bottles. <laughs> so we need that kind of demand side intervention. And by doing so, um, it takes the pressure off creating more virgin plastic and helps us be, like I said, a little bit more responsible with the plastic waste that we already have. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'd like to see Maine follow in California's footsteps and have um, what they have is a, a truth in labeling law that passed. Um, so, you know, it, it, soon in California, packages, um, you know, plastic packages won't be able to put a recycling label on their package unless it's actually recyclable, which mm. means that there's a market for that material. And that's really important because, you know, study after study shows that consumers and people want to do the right thing and they want to buy packaging that they believe is um, good for the environment or, or better for the environment than another package. So if we remove that ability for plastic packaging manufacturers to kind of greenwash those materials, then we're mm -hmm. going to be making huge steps. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. I know, I know, I mean, I think actually, I'm assuming that those false recycling symbols really drive transfer station managers nuts because people you know, throw plastic in the recycling bin because they see a recycling symbol, it's not actually recyclable and that screws their whole system up, right? Like it, uh, it that that really messes with their ability to get some good prices. It could mess mess up their whole supply of recycle, recycle content, right? Right, yeah, completely. Um, you know, the, the chasing arrows does not mean um, recycle, you know, that that material is recyclable. Um, it just, it indicates to that what, what type of resin that plastic is. It doesn't mean it actually is collected by your facility or has a market, it has nothing to do with that. Right. Um, hopefully soon it will. Um, but yeah, what, you know, people call that wish cycling. Um, you know, right. people get a, a package, they just assume it's recyclable. It has a little, you know, chasing arrows on it and they throw it in the recycling bin. But um, what that does is contaminates the, um, the other materials and it lowers the quality of that. So you might not fetch a high price and it also mm. might not be able to be turned into something else, uh, which is the point of recycling. Fascinating. Yeah. So make sure that you're really checking with your transfer station or whoever does your recycling to make sure what you're putting in the bin uh, is actually, they actually take it. Um, 
So the last thing I wanted to do was um, make an important connection for our listeners that I know you care about, our, you know, our entire team here at NRCM cares about. And that's um, as if we didn't have enough motivation to act. There was uh, also a re another recent report issued in October by Beyond Plastics that found in the next decade, plastic will emit more uh, climate changing greenhouse, ga greenhouse gases than coal fired power plants. And so the headlines for this report was like, plastic is the new coal, right? And it captured a lot of attention. But I know that's a connection that we're really interested in making for people and it is an important one. Can you just tell us more about how plastic contributes to the climate crisis and um, why that's something we're looking to really make the connection on for people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, happy to. Um, you know, I think in general, people think um, with the plastic crisis, they think plastic pollution, they picture plastic in the ocean, um, you know, plastic litter, things like that, which is obviously a huge problem, something we care deeply about. But something that um, I've been thinking a lot more about lately is the, the upstream impacts of plastics production. And that's something that this report really highlights. Um, so where does plastic come from? <laughs> and what, what, you know, environmental damage does it cause on its way to getting to us before it makes it out its way out into the environment. So, um, you know, it's really important for everybody to know that the plastics industry is the fossil fuel industry. They're the same thing. Plastics are made from fossil fuels. Um, you know, most of our, our plastic in the United States is um, from um, um, ethane. So um, we're able to get that through fracking and then cracking. And um, that those are really energy intensive, destructive processes that release a lot of carbon dioxide, uh, benzene into the air. Um, and something that's really um, just, I can't even think of the right word, devastating about that is that you know, 90% um, of the plastics production occurs in 18 communities. So there's a really big disproportionate impact wow. of those upstream impacts on um, these 18 communities. And, um, you know, you're probably not surprised to hear that those um, communities are, are lower income than the national average and a lot more likely to be non-white. Um, so, you know, it's, it, you know, while a lot of those facilities aren't located in Maine, what we're doing in Maine um, can help to lead the nation and other states to take meaningful action that reduces our use of plastics. And, um, you know, I hope that I hope that we're able to lead by example. That. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well said. Um, thanks for making that connection. The last thing I wanted to talk about was one of your favorite topics, which you brought up, which is greenwashing from corporations. Last month, November was a uh, was America Recycles Day, and now there's Maine Recycles Week. Um, can you tell me why? I see a lot of holiday cheer behind you, um, but <laughs> and so it's I know you're a big fan of holidays, but. Can you tell me why these are your least favorite holidays, America Recycles Day and Maine Recycles Week, and uh, what they mean to you? Right. So, you know, America Recycles Day is that special time of year where corporations get together and blame individuals for the mess that they're creating and making it's all our fault. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, you can go to the Keep America Beautiful. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, I don't want to. Say that I know their intentions, but they they say they mean well, and they um, represent a lot of the biggest plastic producing corporations. 
And it's very explicit on their website. It's saying, what can you as the individual do? And what are you doing to make the environment better? And it says nothing about what they're doing and what their role is. And that is by design. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, and they're, they know that people feel, you know, guilty and they want to do the right thing. And they, they, they blame individuals for systemic problems that they've caused. So yeah, it's basically, you know, I think it's akin to gaslighting. It really bothers me. Um, and, you know, I do think that consumers and individuals have a role to play, but we need to make it a lot easier for them to do the right thing um, and set up these systems in a way that just almost makes it something that they don't have to, to think about so much. Right. And shifts and shifts that responsibility onto the corporations. That's why that EPR law is so exciting. And I think it's gotten so much attention because it, you know, it's, it's not just like taking corporations at their word and they're, they're like whatever high lofty promises they've made. It's saying, no, actually, we're going to force you to be a part of the sol so solution. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, I think it is the EPR law is going to make like actual um, change. We're going to hopefully be making less waste and recycling a lot more because of it. But to me, it's really meaningful because it signals that, you know, our lawmakers and people are, are identifying the source of these problems and saying, actually, the responsibility isn't on Maine's municipalities and taxpayers. The mm -hmm. responsibility is on the creators of this waste. And I hope that that line of thinking transfers to other environmental issues. I hope it transfers over to our use of fossil fuels um, in general. You know, yeah. I think that the, the fossil fuel industry needs to have more responsibility in um, tackling our climate crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And so just a shout out to all our supporters, as with most things we do, you know, we wouldn't have been able to pass that law without lots of people from Maine standing up, lots of towns, lots of um, businesses, lots of municipalities. So thanks to everyone who made that happen. And, um, you know, I know Sarah and Chrissy and our sustainable Maine team, but everyone else at NRCM are always thinking about new policies to create that systemic change. Um, so thanks so much for joining us, Sarah. This is great. It's, it's good to check in with you about waste, uh, and reuse and, and plastics. So thanks for taking the time. Of course. I'm always happy to, uh, talk trash. If I'm not talking trash, I'm probably talking about my kids <laughs> <laughs> or skiing, right? You're going to go skiing, yes. hopefully. All right. All right. Um, How, wait, it's snowboarding or is it skiing? Uh, well, actually I do both. Uh, oh, Renaissance woman. All right. Yes. I'm trying to bridge the gap. Um, right. Yeah. Nice. I don't think I'll ever try out a snowboard. I think it'd be dangerous if I ever tried out a snowboard, but um, well, thanks again for joining us. Thanks to all our listeners, as always, for tuning in. Just a quick program note. I think this is going to be the last podcast of 2021. We're going to skip um, the next biweekly um, uh, episode. Uh, so we'll see you in our, uh, we'll we won't see you, but we'll talk to you in, um, in, in early 2022. And we've got some exciting things planned for the podcast. So keep, uh, keep tuning in and, you know, as always leave that review for us or pass, pass on the podcast to your friends or family, if you think they'd enjoy listening it. and happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoy this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other podcast listening apps. Since 1959, 
NRCM has been tapping into the power of the Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work, visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment.